0: I've said this many times in my life, but first of all, when I became a mom, um, I said, um, being a doctor did not make me a better mom, but becoming a mom made me a much better doctor. And it's the same with life coaching. So being a doctor did not actually prepare me better for becoming a life coach. It actually was almost an obstacle to overcome because as a doctor, you just want to fix people. Um, But becoming a life coach has made me an immensely better doctor.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Badass Women of Central Park, where every time we bring you an awesome journey of a badass woman in our neighborhood. My name is Dan Clark, and it is my honor to host this podcast and get to learn from so many of you each time. It is my goal for you to see yourself as the badass you truly are. Stephanie Huff, MD, AKA Dr. Steph, with an F, is a full-time emergency medicine physician, life coach, inventor, and a single divorced mom of two fun-loving kids, Maddie who's 11 and Max who is 9. In 2008, Dr. Steph left Omaha and headed to Denver for the mountains. At this time, she traveled the country as a traveling physician. Shortly after, she began working for a Vista Adventist Hospital ER and continues to work in ERs within the Centura system. Dr. Steph is also certified in addiction medicine and obesity medicine, and previously owned and operated two medical clinics in Central Park. As if that wasn't enough, Dr. Steph then became a certified life coach after it helped her reclaim her life from physician burnout and a high conflict divorce. She created her life coaching business, Figure Life Out LLC, focusing on co-parenting tools and mindset concepts to help working moms find peace and freedom from divorce and high-conflict co-parenting. During COVID, she also invented the Icky Sicky Box, a tissue box cover for dispensing and disposing of tissues. The first edition of the Icky Sicky Box is ready for purchase in the near future, so stay tuned for that. In her free time, Steph loves traveling with her kids, especially to the mountains to ski and hike. If you see her on a walk with her dog, Bailey, she may be recording one of her walk and talk with Dr. Steph Reels. This podcast is brought to you by the Mama Bird Project, where we empower and open doors for young black, Latina, and indigenous women from Montbello and surrounding communities. We do this by having amazing young women have intersectional conversations with your loved ones. Grandparents' wisdom, graduates' memories, hopes and dreams, engagement couples—it's a win-win-win on all sides. Only one hundred dollars. All the money goes directly to the women. The recording is private and just for you, and we will help you document the things you know you need to document but never do. Support the Mama Bird Project. Good morning, Stephanie or Doctor. Good I morning, probably... Dan. No.
0: Probably... Or Doctor Steph. That's why. <laughs> go by on, on my Instagram, Dr. Steph. There
1: you go. Let, let's let's start there. We don't know each other, but I feel we've yeah. become friends on Facebook through this and we were scheduled previously and, and we've been delaying it. So I'm excited to talk to, to you and learn about you. Um, take me through your job yeah. as a doctor currently and, and what you are doing in, in medicine.
0: Sure. So currently I am a full-time ER doctor. I work within the Centura systems here in Denver, and I mainly work in the freestanding ERs, Um, but my home base is Avista Adventist Hospital, which is up in Louisville. So I've been working there since 2008. But now I mainly do the freestanding ERs, which are the ones that are not attached to a hospital. So they can be kind of urgent care and ER. Um, But yeah, I work at all different ones all around the city. There's one in Arvada, Golden, Lakewood. Um, And so right now I work either 12-hour shifts or 24-hour shifts, which means that I'm only working about six or seven actual days out of the month, so it's really great schedule for me, Um, so then I have a lot of uh, free time to do other things (laughs) and to be with my kids.
1: That is wild, a 24-hour shift. I I know I've got an uncle who's an orthopedic surgeon, and his daughter is now a, a um, OBGYN surgeon, and and they're like the the work life balance is tricky in a lot of ways, but I guess if you can handle mm-hmm. these crazy days, and one of his things was kind of such a like an old boys club where they went through these ridiculous hours, and so mm-hmm. they're they're moving it down. Do you see medicine getting away from that, or is it something like you said people really look forward to and, and like that lifestyle?
0: Well, it was interesting. When I went through residency many moons ago, um, that was when they started instituting something called the 80-hour rule, um, 80-hour work week. You couldn't work more than 80 hours in a week as a resident. Um, And so I had one year, my intern year, where that wasn't there. Um, so you just worked as many hours as you needed to work. And then the last two years of my residency, we had to follow these new guidelines for the 80-hour work week. So it was a really interesting time in medicine because you didn't have the people who had been in medicine for years and they're like, no, you need to be able to work whatever hours because once you're done with residency, there is no one guarding your 80-hour <laughs> your work week, but then there's also the mindset of, you're still learning. And when you're learning, you do need to have as much mental capacity um, available to you so that you're safe and you're able to learn. So you can see the benefit of both ways, but once you're done with residency, yeah, it's up to you to manage your own work-life balance. So um, that becomes kind of the trick. There. Once you're done with the protection of the 80-hour work week, then you have to make sure that you're able to maintain um, your your life and your your health, your mental health, your physical health, um, but still do a job that you enjoy and love.
1: Um, difference between the ERs that I see on TV and the ERs <laughs> in real life are you? Is there? Does people projectile blood coming everywhere? Is it what is? what is the reality
0: oh gosh uh pretty much the the one show that i say is the closest to reality is scrubs um that is probably the one that is really the closest to real life in a hospital setting but interestingly when i found out i got into medical school it was at the height of er with like george clooney like way back in the day and when, um, when I got into medical school, I said, if I ever have to do a month in the ER, it'll be the worst month of my entire life, because I was so afraid that it was going to be like the show ER, and turns out it is not. <laughs> it is nothing like that. Um, What I love about my job is that um, it's different every day. I never know what's going to come in the door and I'm interacting with different people all the time. And I feel like I'm good at making a connection with my patient right off the bat. Because they have to be able to trust me in a time when they're in, you know, pain and they're scared or they're not feeling well. And I really have to be able to connect with them right away. Whereas if you're a doctor who's seen them over and over again, um, you have more time to make that connection. So um, that's where I felt like um, I really brought something to emergency medicine. And I love the variety. I love being able to do everything. Um, kind of the jack of all trades, <laughs> master of none. But um but yeah, it keeps me on my toes, keeps me tired, but it's a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. Does stand up literally mean you're standing up the whole time? You probably aren't aren't relaxing <laughs> no. on those shifts at all. Huh? <laughs>
0: No, um, uh, with the 24 hour shifts, I do have the ability to go and rest if, if there aren't any patients there. So that gets me through.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting to me because I'm, I'm talking to you from Poland right now. And my mother is a a phlebotomist in the hospital here and, and in Poland, they still, um, everybody kind of takes on the night shifts. I feel in America, Mm -hmm. you're working the nights always, or you're working the days always, but in Mm -hmm. Poland, they kind of rotate it. So like, her schedule will be like two 12-hour shifts in the daytime and then two at night and then two off or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so they, they all kind of share it where I feel America, you're often paid more at night, but you don't do that. But most Americans don't have, you know, the awareness or don't have the experience of what it is to, to work at night or to work in blocks like you do, which I think is part of the mm-hmm. time, but then you get the benefit of having these these days off to, to do whatever. And it seems like you're busy with those days off to do whatever. So tell me. I, you're, when, I am, when you... I
0: am. I keep myself busy. I know sometimes I think like if I wasn't doing all my side hustles, what would I do with my time? And um, I would probably <laughs> chill and like read a lot of books. Um, but um, yeah, so I'm, I'm divorced. I've been divorced over eight years now. Um, so I work when I don't have my kids. And then when I do have my kids, kids um my job allows me to really be home um and be available to them if they're sick or there's a snow day or a holiday or you know so um so I'm very lucky in that regards that my job allows me that scheduling um so yeah I do end up having many days off for the week and um and I just can't seem to sit idle and I keep coming up with things to do. And, um, so many years ago, about five or six years ago, I got into addiction medicine and, um, I started a clinic to treat opioid addiction with uh, one of my colleagues. And so we did um, a Suboxone clinic for about a year and a half. Um, And then um, we decided to move on to other things after a year and a half of um, having our own clinic. And I took over the clinic and created um, a wellness clinic. So it was more of a weight management and wellness clinic. Clinic. And I did that for about a year and a half. And then um, I decided that maybe running a physical business um, wasn't really my jam. Um, (laughs) So I decided to close it down. And I did that two months before COVID hit. So it was very good timing because I don't think I would have been able to maintain it anyway during COVID. So So that was some good timing there. So then I got the time during COVID to be there for my kids um, and homeschooling. I was going to work in the ER, which was a whole other uh, ball of wax at that point. And then um, and it was during that time that I found life coaching and I did a, a life coaching program for physicians. And um, it was that year of 2020 that I did this coaching program and it literally transformed my life. And so I decided to become a certified life coach. Um, and then before you know it, I'm starting another business, right? <laughs> so I'm like, I have to share this with people. So I've started a life coaching business and my focus is on um divorced working moms who struggle with co-parenting conflict. And so that is my uh, life coaching business called Figure Life Out. Um, and again, I do focus mostly on working moms um, who are struggling with um, co-parenting with their their ex. and And there can be a lot of pressure to have a very cooperative relationship, which is you know ideal but sometimes life isn't ideal so how do you manage it when the situation isn't all rainbows and daisies so that's where i come in and i come up with my dog's like scratching bailey stop sorry he's digging a hole to china in my rug um to poland he's coming to poland no sit down um i
1: love i so, love dogs so he he be very welcome with
0: me he, he's a sweetheart but he digs in my carpet um So anyway, where was I? So yeah, so Figure Life Out is my life coaching business for working moms um, struggling with divorce and co-parenting. And so I've been getting that started over the past year. I have my own tools that I've created from my experience with divorce and and conflict and co-parenting that I feel are extremely helpful. And my goal is to give people who are considering divorce or in the middle of divorce, or maybe they've been divorced for years, but still struggling with it. I just want to be able to like hand them a manual to be like, this will help. (laughs) Like try these things out um, because you can just feel like you're going through a fog and you have no clue what's happening. So that was my life coaching business that I got started. And then also in the middle of covid My daughter got sick, um, not with COVID, but just with a other cold, you know, that are out there and had a really bad runny nose. Um, And I got so annoyed with her throwing the Kleenexes on the ground that I taped two Kleenex boxes together and then a cup on the side with some hand sanitizer. And I said, here, put the dirty Kleenexes in this empty box and then you have hand sanitizer, take this to school so you can keep it all together. Um, And I went to go throw that away. And I was like, I wonder if anything like this exists, like this is really kind of helpful. And I looked and there wasn't anything that existed like that. And so I drew up a design for um, a Kleenex box container and and a hand sanitizer holder. Um, And then I started figuring out how I could make it, which ended me up at the Idea Lab at the Sam Gary Library, which is the coolest place on the planet. Um, Had no idea it existed. I think it had just opened up like a few months before I got there. Um, And I showed up and I was like, I think I want to 3D print this thing. And they're like, "Uh, no, that would take you forever. You want to use the laser cutter. And I'm like, don't know what that is. Have no clue. And they're like, it's okay." they walked me through every single step. They showed me how to use the Adobe Illustrator. They told me what materials to buy. They showed me how to do a practice cut on the laser cutter. And then we did, um, we, we cut it and we put it together and they helped me build my first prototype for free or in eight hours. Like they are amazing humans. <laughs> so then I had my prototype. And then I've I've found um, other ways to make it. So now I'm getting ready um, to to start selling them. I've filed my patent, um, my final patent for a utility patent. And so that's my uh, my other uh, business, which is called the Icky Sicky Box. Like if you're sick and it's icky, so Icky Sicky Box, and it's a Kleenex box.
1: <laughs> this is this is wonderful. I always say the best way to learn is by doing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you, I'm sure you are learning a lot by doing in this process. And one of the things that I think is so amazing about the medical school in general is they really let you, like you talked about it, you didn't think you'd go into the ER and that's where you ended up. They, they rotate you in such a mm-hmm. great way where you have to do all these different things. And for when I look at how I wish education was for my own children, um, and I'm, this is, I'm speaking to myself as well, cause I can certainly yeah. be doing a lot more of this myself but it would be that they try out these different things, find out what you don't like, learn from them. Um, and I think entrepreneurship is so that way, you have to learn yeah. everything and you're pushed out of your comfort zone in so many ways. One question I wanted to ask you um, specifically about the, the divorce and the life coaching yeah. is what parts of being a physician helped you with this? And or were mm-hmm. there things that you had to overcome because of certain way of thinking or training or whatever that, that you feel that you've had to, have to overcome because of your background training?
0: Right. Well, I mean, there's so much there, Um, to be honest. But <laughs> well, as an ER doctor, I feel like I'm well equipped for this because um, I've pretty much heard it all, seen it all or experienced it all. So nothing really shocks me. Right. Especially with going through addiction treatment, you know, like uh, certification and treating um, addicts. Um, You hear a lot of stuff that most people don't hear and don't experience. So um, I just tell my clients, I'm like, bring it, whatever it is. I have no judgment. I, you know, I probably heard worse, seen worse, and I feel equipped to deal with some of the harder things to a point. And then I know when to be like, you need to go and see somebody else about this. Um, so I feel equipped in that way now. Also, as a female physician, I saw a lot of my female colleagues who were almost mentors to me go through divorce and, um, very much financially destroying them, emotionally destroying them, um, and when I got married, I wanted to make sure that I protected myself in that way. So I did have a prenup, which was invaluable at the end of things. But you start to doubt yourself. You're like, I'm successful in all these areas of my life. Why wasn't I successful in my marriage? So you're dealing with failure, right? And and that can be really hard when Your whole life, you're like, if I put in the work, I'll reap the rewards. If I put in the work in school, I'm going to get into medical school. If I put in the work in medical school, I'm going to get a good residency. If I just put in the work, you know, you you get this reward for your hard work. Well, then you get into a relationship and it's not the same. (laughs) You can be putting in all the work you can, but if it's just not reciprocated or is just isn't right, it's just not gonna work. And, and you really have to deal with this feeling of, of I've failed at something that I feel like I've put so much work into. Why didn't that do what is done in all the other aspects of my life? So um, that can be something really hard to overcome, especially for women physicians, um, when you're so successful in all the other areas, and then you feel like you're failing as a mom, as a wife, as you know, a human. <laughs> so um, it can it can take you uh, to a whole new place that you're just not ready for.
1: Yeah, I always say that I learn a new privilege every day, and you just mm-hmm. taught me another one. Just thinking about how. I'm sure men go through these same processes and how the systems are set up for men. Um, and I remember when my my cousin, who she must be in her early 30s now, was deciding if she was going to go to medical school. She was literally at age 20 thinking about, well, do I want to do this? Then I still have a family while I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. The system's not set up this way. And then along the way, and I read recently or I heard that uh, now medical school is, is more women than men. Mm-hmm. um but with that hopefully they'll become more of a balance and, and work in and life and it sounds like you found a way to, to make it work for you but I, I i never thought about yeah how all these other things outside of your um work would impact you and also i feel that um doctors have to be so hyper focused in all these different areas so you probably are pushing a lot of different things away in different times while you're going through this and then you get there finally, and you're finally paid after however long, all this training and training and training, your residency, you're not even there yet until you're, you're yeah. way after, how all that impacts you. Um, yeah. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah.
0: And um, yeah, it can be very isolating as well. Like when I was going through my divorce, though, so I did not tell anybody um, for a good year at work. Nobody knew that I was going through it because sometimes as physicians people seem to think that we have our shit together (laughs) right like you've been able to get through medical school you've been able to get to residency and all this sort of stuff you must have your shit together right you must know what you're doing with life i'm sorry to say we are humans (laughs) and we in fact do not have our shit together all the time So it was, you know, a very shameful process to admit that I couldn't make a marriage work. And so I isolated myself um, from telling people that I was going through a divorce and that just made things worse. So I would love to make it not so shameful, a process for women to go through and to recognize that, you know, it's okay for for divorce to happen and um, and you can get through it and you can be living an even better life because of it not despite it
1: I'm sure you're constantly working on what the the best version of that looks like for you and for the business in general what what are your thoughts on what that does look like if this could be exactly as you want it to be with your divorce coaching and and what that process would look like that what what is that regular calls and coaching is that you're like, you talk about a a physical manual or a series of readings, like what, what, what does that look like for you? If
0: I had like the ultimate dream scenario, um, I would love to be coaching full-time, uh, in some capacity, um, especially again with, with divorced or, uh, working moms. Currently, I have a four-week crash course in co-parenting where you just get the, you get the real nitty-gritty for what you need to start improving your co-parenting relationship. Um, I would love to have a written manual, a book that people can refer to. Um, I would love to have a podcast um, to really tell stories of um, how you can be an example of what is possible. And then um, I love the idea of having somewhere to do retreats where I can do weekend retreats, like in the mountains. Um, I love setting up like travel excursions and things like that. So like that would be my dream would be to have a retreat in Evergreen where you come for the weekend and you do Yoga and art and hiking and fishing and um, and all sorts of things while learning about the coaching tools and and just reconnecting with
1: yourself. It's something I've learned, and I'm sure you've been. Well, let me ask if it goes this way. Even in a profession like medicine, um, when as an educator, when we do different conferences and things like that, um, mm-hmm. so often you're most, the stuff you were trained the most is is the relationships and the the people that you're connecting to and learning from and how much of a value that has. And I didn't think of it till now, that's such a smart idea because if you then are building a community at the same time of people going through these things, and I know there's um, support groups for so many different traumatic experiences and, and divorce certainly should be one where you would build this community and you're connecting with people and learning from them. Um, in the medical profession, is it like that too? Or you're you're going to a conference and you're learning from uh, the actual speakers but also so much of the learning comes from other people is that true in, in medicine
0: well definitely we have the the medical conferences where you're learning about medicine but what we're starting to see a shift in now are definitely more of the wellness retreats so it is a good shift that we're having in medicine right now where um their you know burnout has become um So common and and people are leaving medicine in rapid numbers that um, there's really now an an importance put on a physician's well being which encompasses your life overall. So we are seeing more physician retreats, women retreats, um, and wellness conferences where your focus is more on yourself and, and staying healthy as opposed to learning about medicine. Because if the doctors aren't healthy, then we can't help those who aren't healthy. So, um, So there is a shift now where it is becoming more of a connection between physicians besides just the medical day to day work. Um, so I think that's gonna be a great improvement to see in the health profession if we can really get these more retreat type uh, things to to rest and recoup.
1: Yeah, I'm seeing that with teachers too. And you have so many people yeah. leaving, really good people that are leaving the profession forever mm-hmm. and are just done with it. And you're so right, you need to take care of the people first. One thing that I see Poland do really well is, they do have um, programs for people, not the physicians, but people that actually do kind of preventative stuff too. Mm -hmm. Um, And those kind of things, I I know um, we've never done therapy, but I always feel like we should be constantly, everyone should be in therapy, even if if that times are good. And you, and and, and I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure what you're teaching would also be good for married couples too, um, Mm -hmm. to be looking at these things in different ways and learning from other people.
0: I think when everyone's born, they should be given a therapist, a nutritionist, and a life coach, and a personal trainer. I mean, like, just everyone needs help. And it's not like it's not saying that you don't know what's best for yourself. It's just like when you have someone who can guide you and hold you accountable, you can just get your results faster when you have someone who can give you some tools to use that you might not even be aware of exists. So life coaching, um, while it may sound kind of woo-woo and like you're holding crystals and singing kumbaya, that's not what it's about. <laughs> it's just really about making sure that you are living your best life the way that you want to be living it and that it's authentic and intentional. And so that spreads across your whole life. I mean, there are business coaches, there are executive coaches, there are personal trainers that are coaches, there are health coaches. You can literally find a coach for just about anything that you want. And it's just about getting results faster, getting what you want easier and better and faster. So, but yeah, marriage coaching, whatever, everybody needs a coach.
1: (laughs) That's something I've I've reflected on too. I feel that I'm the luckiest person to ever have lived. I'm lucky and privileged in so many different ways. But with that, I also feel just a personal sense of achieving my greatness, whatever I could be and, and do it in the best way and biggest way. Yeah. And at this point in my life, I am I have to do the math. I'm 42. So at this point <laughs> in my life, I'm thinking like, I need to to be really pushing this. And I'm at a wonderful point in my life in, in so many different ways. But I always do feel like I want to be doing more. Um, mm-hmm. And that doesn't need to be me just working more. I think that may be something that too, from the medical side is you right. just work harder, work harder, work harder. When in actuality, you can probably do things that are leveraged and, and make a bigger impact and I coach to be one of them where you're taking certain things off your own mental plate and someone else is kind of holding on to those and then helping you get where you want to be uh, with it. One of my cousins just actually um, quit. She was working for Big Oil and was an engineer and left that and to start doing different life coaching um, and it just found so much peace in it and so much joy and, and again learning by doing too. She's doing mm-hmm. it for herself in this transition so I'm sure that's so beneficial for you as well. As yeah. you're doing all of to be learning from it too.
0: Well, definitely. Um, I've I've said this many times in my life, but first of all, when I became a mom, um, I said um, being a doctor did not make me a better mom, but becoming a mom made me a much better doctor, and it's the same with life coaching. So, being a doctor did not actually prepare me better for becoming a life coach. It actually was almost an obstacle to overcome because as a doctor, you just want to fix people. Um, But becoming a life coach has made me an immensely better doctor because I'm finally like giving agency back to my patients. And it's more like what do you want to do with your health and your life? And I, I just approach it much uh, in a in a different way than before. So I do feel like being a doctor didn't mean I was going to be a good life coach, but, but becoming a life coach has made me a much better doctor and a mother too, made me a much better mother, <laughs> helped, helped in all the areas. That's why it's, it's life coaching. And that's why it's just, such impactful work that I saw transform my life that I just want to share it with so many other people. And the the coaching that I do is called causal coaching. So it's based in um, CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy. So it is based in the therapy realm, which we learn about in medical school. I think maybe there's like a paragraph in a book somewhere. (laughs) but you don't really learn how to use it. You don't learn how to apply it in in an impactful way. And so becoming a life coach really taught me this one great tool that I can use um, with my patients. um, I use with my coaching clients. I use with my kids. I use on myself all the time. Um, And so uh, yeah, just learning about that has impacted my other, you know, physician job incredibly. And now I want yeah, that, everybody
1: to know about it. <laughs> that is so interesting. I hear your passion, yeah. which is wonderful. And and um, yeah. I'm a child of divorced parents, my parents, but I always say that it wasn't traumatic enough for me um, that I even remember what age it happened at. I think mm. I was nine or 10. Um, and my mother was always so good to my father, and really really could have turned us against him, I feel, and my father has um, really become a great father, and um, that's something that I feel that uh, I was lucky about. My brother was a little older, so it impacted him a little bit differently, Uh, but what are some tips for parents to go through? What, What kind of things are kind of Surface level that you do talk about when when how to navigate that after because I feel that people never always they want what's best for the kids or say they want what's best for the kids um, but but what does that look like in in the actuality?
0: Right. So um so just a little bit about my divorce it was when my kids were three and one and um it started out as what you would call a high conflict divorce where um, we did not get along well. It was not amicable. And no matter how much I was putting what I thought were my kids' best needs first, you cannot control how the other person approaches the situation. They also probably think that they're putting the kids' best needs first. So so what do you do when you both have differing opinions about what is best for the kids? And the kids are so little, it's not like they can, my kids were three and one, it's not like they can have an opinion on this, about what they think is best for them. So then it becomes a matter of figuring out how you show up as your best self. Because that's all you can control. And many times we get so far into this rabbit hole of divorce, that so much conflict gets created and you don't recognize that you're contributing to the conflict, even though you do think you have your kid's best interest at heart, there are things that you can be doing that are causing drama and unnecessary conflict, but you don't see how it can be any different. So that's where it takes having somebody on the outside, a coach, a third party observer to be like, just think about doing it, you know, this in a different way, or what if you could approach it like this? And so that's why I almost think people need to be given a divorce coach, like boom, right away, so that you can minimize the conflict. It took me four years into a high conflict divorce to start finally learning some of the tools that if I had maybe had them right away, it could have really eased some of the pain and uncomfortable and just badness (laughs) that I, that I went through for four years. Again, I was probably contributing to it, but didn't realize it. And so awareness is really the key to, to how you are showing up um, and, and making sure that you are being the best co-parent you can be and recognizing that you can't control how the other co-parent shows up. You can only hope that you have an amicable divorce and a nice cooperative co-parenting situation, but it doesn't always work that way. Um, And, and that that's okay. Like there are things you can do, even if you're not getting along with your co-parent to make things Easier for you and better for you, um, but it really takes focusing on yourself first.
1: Yeah, that sounds like so much wisdom that you that you from <laughs> going through that process. And seems obvious yeah. now, but yeah, so I'm laughing. You need someone to tell it to you, and exactly, um, especially yeah. if it's preemptive. So then, when you're doing stuff, then you're saying, "Oh, this is what I'm doing,"
0: and that right. makes sense. Exactly. It, it's got to be so exactly. personal
1: when you're involved in it too, that you mm-hmm. and your pride uh, and all these other things. Okay. Another thing I wanted to ask okay. you about, which you talked about too, was just kind of your your mentality about failing. Can you talk to me oh, about yeah. failing and and how to turn that into something positive and a learning experience? Because I say this all the time that that's, but I don't know if I actually feel that way. And I've got a very positive attitude in general. Um, but talk to me a little bit about that.
0: Sure. I mean, I like to say that failure is my superpower because I have. Um, I have failed at many things and I don't uh, want to, you know, make those any smaller than, than what they are. If you're not, as Dan Sullivan says, if you're not winning, you're learning. So I take each of those failures as an opportunity to learn and move forward. And it's when we allow failure to hold us back and to be afraid of the failure then that's when it has more power over us than it deserves. So when I can turn it into my superpower, then I'm not afraid to try things. And then I'll take action and I'll, I'll give it a try. I'll see what happens. Um, my my favorite book is um, Marie Forleo's Everything is Figure Outable And that's kind of where I came up with the name for my bu- my business called Figure Life Out. Um, because my mantra is I'll figure it out. Whatever happens, I'll figure it out. If I start a business and it's not going the way I want it to go, I'll figure out what I want to do with it. Um, So when you let failure, the fear of failure, stop you from doing something that you were meant to do then you're kind of sitting in this misery of not fulfilling your potential right of not up leveling so yeah I have two failed businesses in the past I have a failed marriage I have you know many other failures in my past but I I like to use those to set an example of what is possible of of how you can live your life to the best um, because you've had these failures and you've learned from them. Every time I've failed at a, at a business, I've learned something from it. I've learned that I should have been putting more energy into this area, or I learned how to manage the books or that not managing books is a really bad thing, you know? So you, you learn every time you have a failure And that just helps you build. And who knows how many times you have to fail before you have a success. So every time you fail, it can just be moving you closer and closer to that success. But we don't know how many times it takes. We don't know how many failures there have to be before you you reach that success. But if you don't try, you'll never know. So yeah, failure is my superpower. And I just, you know, I take it with me wherever I go. And I'm just like, that's okay. I'm just gonna use it, and and keep trying and keep going, and um and yeah, you know the Marie Forleo from the book, she says the um, the antidote to fear is is action. Taking action is the antidote to fear. So you know when we're so scared of of failing, and we don't do anything, then you know like, what would you do? If you weren't afraid to fail, and that's different than saying, what would you do if you knew you wouldn't fail? That's different. But if you weren't afraid of failing, what would you do with your life? If you weren't afraid of failing. Now, if you were to do something and you were either going to succeed or fail, but you didn't know which, would you still do it? You know, and that's how you can kind of check in with yourself to see, is this something that I truly want to be doing that whether I fail or succeed, it's just what I want to do, you know? So that's my, my failure is a superpower. Use it, use it for good, (laughs) not evil.
1: I think that we we look, and, and this community is very educated, and I can't imagine the the money for your education specifically yeah. and those kind of things, but we look at education and higher education as an investment in so many ways, where we don't look at that same way in trying things that fail, um, and, and by starting these businesses, and I'm sure you invested a lot of money into them, yes. and you're losing that money. The knowledge that you've gained, the experiences that you've gained, like you talk about is 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 worth so much but we don't look at things in that capacity
0: yeah it's like getting an MBA in real life you know so um like now I feel like I can help guide people through like starting an LLC writing a business plan you know doing your annual you know reviews and things like that and um now I've been through uh filing a patent and and going that route, doing the provisional patent on my own through LegalZoom, and then finding an IP attorney to do the final patents and the drawings, you know, having, finding people to do the drawings. I did the drawings myself for some of them. Um, And so, I I mean, I really should go back to law school at this point because I have (laughs) so many lawyers that I use. um, But at the same time, I'm just I'm learning on on the fly on the day to day. And it's that experience that's just invaluable. You know, in um, in medicine, we kind of have a saying that's see one, do one, teach one. And um, and I think that's the same in business. So, you know, see how other people are running their businesses, reach out for help, um, ask questions um i and that's one thing that i love about this community as well is that there is i mean there is an answer in somebody somewhere in this community there's so much experience over I mean, you could start your own, we could start our own little town. Just (laughs) like we have everything. So if you have a question, ask this community and I'm sure someone can guide you in the right direction in some way. So ask, so see one, see what other people are doing with their businesses. Do one, just do it. Just start, you won't learn any other way until you start making the steps to do what you wanna do. And then teach, you know, then start bringing the people behind you, helping helping them out. There are plenty of businesses to go around. There's plenty of money to go around. There are plenty of clients to go around. So just help people out, support them, bring them up with you um, and, and tell them what you've learned so that we can all share, you know, all, all do better with it. So yeah, see one, do one, teach one. <laughs>
1: Yeah, when we, um, I, I, my passion is is interviews of elders and people at different stages of their life, um, and specifically to empower young women from Montbello, and they do the interviewing, and but I get to watch all of them. Um, they're private for the families, but I get to watch them for quality control and feedback. And it's, it's always regret, like people. That's that mm-hmm. that part of it too is if you do not do it and you regret that, that will eat away at you um and totally. you will never regret doing it like that because because there's there's growth that comes with that and all that that comes and you know you've tried and even just knowing that I think is so powerful too so so all that is so true and I think that you're, you're exactly with the teaching part of it I think parenting is like that too when you're yeah. teaching someone else you're learning through them and and, and mm-hmm. the way you you just see it differently so I I think that's so powerful too and like you talked about this has made you a better mother too which I think all these kind of other benefits that you're not even doing it for are just a wonderful oh, part of all this too.
0: Totally. When I completed my life coaching certification, um, we had to reflect back. It was a six month process and you had to reflect back on on what you gained from it. And yeah, I went into it with the idea of starting a business and becoming a life coach for other people. But the thing that I gained the most from it was my daughter seeing me go through the certification and she would hear me on the, on the classes. She would hear me practicing. She will ask me to coach her. If something happened at school, she'll be like, can you coach me on this? And I'll, um, I'll kind of do some coaching with her. And then there's other times where she's like, stop coaching me. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: But that was the value in it enough was having this passed down now to my children, who, like, if I had had the knowledge of these things back when I was their age, like, I just can't imagine how useful that would have been um, in getting me through some of life's challenges. So, and I really see our schools doing a great job of, of that too. Um, And, and really letting them focus on on their emotions and their feelings and their thoughts uh, about things. And so um, so I'm grateful to have that in the schools now. And now I can continue that at home in a way that just hasn't really been available before.
1: Their generation is so much more emotionally aware too. I think so, and empathetic oh and that's something that um hopefully they can help create a society that values that so yeah. it's not just go 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 all the time but yeah. but there's so much more where so i've, I've got great hope for the future um, exactly. when the youth takes it over okay mm-hmm. as we're wrapping up our time here i didn't ask you yeah. the question do, do you see yeah. yourself
0: as a badass <laughs> yes i do because why not <laughs> why would i think of myself as anything else but that and guess what if People don't think I'm a badass, then that's on them. But I'm going to think of myself as a badass. Sure. <laughs> you bet. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there you go. That is awesome. And I think you are as well. And um, you are I'm excited to see where you go in the future here. I'm excited to see Thank your product you. come, to, come to fruition. I'm so glad we've connected. I look forward to seeing all the different things you come up with. Because I feel you're yeah. still, you know even with all this, you're just getting started, it sounds like to me.
0: I am, yeah. But if people want to find my life coaching, um, my website is figurelifeout.com. and then I'm uh, on like Instagram at figurelifeoutmd, um is where you can find me for that. And then hopefully I'll be getting my my Kleenex box, the icky sticky box, up and going here in the next month, and and getting some some sales out there. So look out for that too.
1: You've already owned it, but I do want to hear you say it. And I'll <laughs> stop reporting after that, that I am Stephanie Huff and I am a badass.
0: All right. I am Stephanie Huff and I am a badass.
1: Thank you again for listening to this podcast. Please go to iTunes or whatever provider you're listening on and give us a rating so we can do more of this important work. Please keep sending me suggestions of people we should interview on this show. And finally, and most importantly, please always remember that you, yes, you are a badass.